Hey everybody, it's Talking Jake here, and I want to tell you about a new podcast and video series you're not going to want to miss, The Deal. Every week, A-Rod and Bloomberg reporter Jason Kelly speak with big-time athletes, entertainers, executives, Maria Sharapova, Strahan, Jeter, and more. The Deal takes you behind the scenes into those worlds of sports, media, and entertainment. From Bloomberg Podcasts and Bloomberg Originals, you can listen to The Deal on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, and welcome to episode number 77 of the Chris Rose Rotation, a production of John Boy Media. And for the first time ever, we're heading to the Pacific Northwest. At least that's where his day job is. It's Mitch Hanniger, the all-star outfielder of the Seattle Mariners. Good enough to join us from his home in California. You're just hanging out, just chilling. Mitch, how are you, man? Good, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm in Northern California, Santa Cruz area. Um, just hanging with family and getting back into training and getting ready for the 22 season. Okay, but you're getting ready for something much more important. You've got somebody's big birthday that's coming up, right? Yeah, number one, my daughter, uh, Carly. So December 3rd, starting to plan the birthday party now. You know that the first birthday is really for the parents. It's not for the kid. You, you've heard oh, this, it's, right? It's, all, it's always for my wife. It's for my wife, yeah. yeah. Okay, what are we doing? Are we having it at home? Are we having like a big bouncy? Are we, uh, I don't know, bringing in mythical characters? What are we doing? No, just some balloons and some family and some cake. Nothing crazy. Uh, keeping it small. So it should be okay. fun. Has she had cake before? No, not yet. Okay. This is yeah, well, my wife's going to make like a little smash cake. And I didn't even know what that was. So she just told me, you know, smash it and then eat it. So we'll see what happens. And uh, I'm sure she'll like it. Yeah. Keep her away from the walls. Yeah. Okay? Kind of put her in the center of the kitchen where, you know, everything can be easily cleaned. You don't want yeah. anything ending up in like the ceiling fan. No, <laughs> just telling bring, you from experience. And I'll bring my dog over to make sure the bulldozer cleans up everything. So no, no chocolate in the cake then. No, no, no. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm happy that I'm taking you away at least momentarily from your workout. I saw this on Instagram the other day. I don't know if you're getting ready to wrestle a bear or what in the world that video was. Yeah. But can you please explain what, <laughs> what, what this is? Yeah, we call that the gator wrestle. Uh, that's a 300-pound sandbag. And um, started doing it last offseason. It just takes a lot of core strength. And how you have to use your feet, too, to, to propel you off the ground, it just it was really good for my back and my core. And, uh, you know, coming off all the surgeries, the whole offseason last year was designed to get my core stronger, get my back stronger, um, to withstand and play 162. And then this year, a lot of the same stuff. Okay, I have a I have a, a bad back. I have a surgically repaired back. I'm not so sure I could do this. I certainly could not do a 300 pound sandbag. Yeah, you got to um, ease your way into it. Build up slow. Yeah, and I one other thing, I would also be farting all over the place because yeah. I'm tightening my core. I would just <laughs> yeah. be shooting, I'd probably throw myself through a wall. I'm sorry, I don't know how you do that. Yeah. Got to get it out before before the workout. There you go. Yeah. Good. All right. So you are a Northern California boy. Uh, San Jose, correct? Yep. Okay, so that did that make you a lifelong Giants fan? Yeah, I grew up a Giants fan. Um, I grew up watching the A's and the Giants, but um, I liked watching Barry hit all those home runs. You know, he's every year it felt like he was hitting fifty to seventy. So um, yeah, when I was growing up, I, I watched a lot of the Giants. Are you old enough to have gone to Candlestick? Yes. Yeah, especially for Niners games too. All right. And- Best tailgating at Candlestick. You, you were no, no, you're not that old. You were tailgating. No, I, I, mean, like I wasn't 10? having any drinks there, but yeah, we. Oh yeah, we're out there, hot dogs and uh, playing football in the in the parking lot. 
All right. So you're, what are you early thirties? Are you 31 or so? I'm going to be 31. Okay. So 31, let me just do the math here on the fly. Uh, do you remember the Super Bowl 29 victorious Niners? No, I don't. Oh my gosh. Oh, this is so demoralizing for me. So what do you, like, you don't, you, you missed all the sweet stuff for the Niners. For the Niners, yeah, I missed, I missed all the good stuff. I mean, we had some good years with Steve Young, and then there were some, some dark times after that. Yeah? Yeah. But then Cap got you to the Super Bowl. Yeah. And then Jimmy G, well, I'm not going to say Jimmy G got you to the Super Bowl, but Jimmy G was along for the ride. Yeah, so and then he- I'm, like, conflicted. You know, the Niners got good again, and I was playing for Seattle, so I was kind of oh. like, you know, I can't really say anything. I'm in the middle. When they play each other, I just root for a good game and um i like following the seahawks and the niners but you know i root for the seahawks when they're not playing the niners and i root for the niners when they're not playing the seahawks okay but you were totally conflicted in the nfc championship game the game where richard sherman was calling out michael Kraft. like you had had a rooting interest yeah but i I think i was uh i think that was before i was with the mariners so oh okay so i was definitely rooting for the niners yeah i was definitely rooting for the niners okay all right so are you like a crazy, crazy Niners fan? No, 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 no. I'm just, yeah, I guess average fan. I, I mean, I would say a little bit of uh, could be better when they're not playing well. And then, you know, when they're playing great, I'm definitely watching more games. Okay. So I feel are like you that's a, a lot of fans, right? What's that? When the team's playing well. Yeah. You're more likely weather. to watch more. Yeah. A little bit of fair weather. So I'm a Cleveland guy. Uh, okay. And lifelong Cleveland fan both my kids born and raised here in LA I've got two boys that are 21 and 16 and you know they could have gone a different direction my wife is from Los Angeles but her family wasn't huge sports fans growing up so I kind of poisoned them at birth but they are huge I guess we're going Cleveland Guardians now Browns Cavs everything um yeah they're good now yeah we're we're up and down this year but yes Yes. And, you know, I took them to game seven of the game six and seven of the 2016 World Series. And nice when we were in it and all that sort of stuff. And we celebrated when LeBron helped us get our first championship. It's all it's all fun sort of stuff. But you went to a real sportsy high school, didn't you? Yeah. Archbishop Mitty. Yeah. That's one of those powerhouses. Like when you say Archbishop Mitty, you're like chest is out. Right. It's one of those places. Yeah. We've had a lot of good athletes come through. Um yeah, it was a great school and great athletic program. So this is you playing football that we're showing right now. Yeah, man. Dude, that's ago. got stud written all over it. What do you what were you, flanker? Uh yeah, wide receiver safety. Oh. Yeah. Give us the lowdown on Mitch Hanniger, the football player. Um, I love football. I like playing football more than baseball in high school. Um I had a I had a receptions record for a long time, but actually that that team right there, St. Ignatius, I got a guy recently broke the record, I think a year or two ago. Um, yeah, it stood for like eight or nine years, I think. But uh, football was fun, man. Good times. Could you have gone and played somewhere? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I don't think I had much of a future. Um, definitely not after college, but I think I could have gone and played in college. I was getting letters and all all that jazz before I committed to, to Cal Poly for baseball. Um, and then once I committed for baseball, it was like, yeah, I'm not even thinking about football. Yeah. But if nobody had ever seen you play on, on the football field, break it down. What's the scouting report on you? Um, hands, were you good hands? Yeah, good, hands. Ran good patterns. Were you fast? Yeah. Tight, tight patterns. My speed was always uh, above average, but I wouldn't, um, my, my speed was never insane. Still not like one of my best tools, but just probably slightly above average ran really good routes had good hands 
And uh, yeah, I think that's, that's the biggest thing is running good routes. Okay. I could see the smile on your face right now. So I could imagine when you were a safety, you were lighting guys that you were salivating. You're like, I was trying to, right? Yeah. I was trying to. Yeah. That was fun. Ever, Defense was fun too. Did you ever get anybody good? Yeah. A couple quarterbacks trying to run up the sideline. So put them on the track. That was good. Oh, yeah. Oh, you were one of those guys fired up. Yeah. Nail them at the sideline. Oh, turn yeah. around to your fan base, pump them up. Right. Do the whole <laughs> no, thing. No. <laughs> no, that's not me. Okay. All right, so it's the middle of November. You're probably thinking, I got plenty of time to do my holiday shopping. No, you don't. In fact, we want to help you out. Thanks to our friends at Dugout Mugs. And I want to talk specifically about the wind-up, okay? It's this bad boy. That's right. You can put your Chardonnay or maybe, I don't know, whatever sort of wine you like to drink. You put it in here, you do this, you slam it down. But here's the key. You got to go to dugoutmugs.com, use the code word John Boy today, and you're going to get 30% off your offer. But get it now before they sell out, okay? Because you don't want to be left behind. You don't want to be standing in the on-deck circle and you get up to the plate and all of a sudden there's no more wind-ups left for you. So get them for your friends, get them for your family, do your holiday shopping now, dugoutmugs.com, code word John Boy, 30% off. They are flying off the shelves. Do your work today, like right after this show. Type it in, dugoutbugs.com, code word John Boy, 30% off. Get yourself a nifty old wind up. Cheers. So you end up going to college. You get drafted. Uh, you were the first-round pick of the Brewers, correct? Yeah, uh, supplemental first round. Okay, so how did you find out you got drafted? We were sitting, so my mom came down and – um we were going to watch the draft at her hotel that she got and ended up not having the channel the draft was on. So we drove back to my, my house that I lived in with three of my roommates and my girlfriend was there as my wife um, now. And we were just watching the TV. I was expecting, you know, a call or a text from my agent saying, Hey, like your brewers are going to pick you or whoever was going to draft me. I would, I, I would know before. Right. And I'm just watching the TV and my name pops up and, Everybody starts yelling. I'm like, Shh, quiet down. I want to hear what they say. And uh, that was that. It was pretty crazy. So you, that's how you found out yeah, was by yeah, watching? Went, yeah, it went from zero to 100 really quick. Like, uh, I was expecting to get a little tip off, you know, like, hey, yeah, this pick's coming up. They might take you. Nothing. And I think they, my agent did that on purpose. Like, I just wanted to surprise them. So. Well, how about the Brewers calling you? I thought that that's what happened. Don't they call you ahead of time? Hey, we're no, going to take you? Not me, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't get one. I got a call after. Yeah. Who called you? Have any idea? I think I think it was a scouting director. I think Corey uh -huh. Rodriguez was a scouting director at the time, I believe. But um man, I, I have a pretty bad memory. That was a long time ago. All right. So you, then, you end up getting you you're the first pick. No you end up uh, going third pick we had we had two first rounders and i was a supplemental third uh, supplemental first rounder so i was their, oh. their third pick who were the other guys um victor roach and clint coulter mitch you should have been the first pick <laughs> no <laughs> hey the draft's tough man scouting baseball people don't Hell understand yes, how is. hard it is yeah you know uh, that's where uh you talk about you know teams rebuilding and and going after draft picks but it's, it's hard to find the right guy and also to to project a guy seven, eight years down the road if he's a high school kid. Right. There's a lot of development that goes into those years. And, um, yeah, it can be really, really tough trying to 
bet on who's going to be good in six, seven years. You know, it's not like football or basketball. You're like, you get this guy, he's joining the team. Well, I always love talking to guys about their minor league experience because at least half of them tell me they wanted to quit a little while in. They were like, I can't do this. I can't live away from home. There's, you know, we're living in some shit town that I didn't even know was part of the continental United States. Yeah. All that sort of stuff. What sort of emotions did you go through? A little bit of everything like that. I mean, so I signed and I went to um, Wisconsin to A-ball right away. And then I ended up tearing a ligament in my knee after like 15 games. So the rest of that, that my first summer was done. So I went to Arizona and that's where I was in Arizona and I had a roommate who didn't speak English. And that was the first time for me. I was like, man, I, I am homesick. And in college, I like loved every single minute of college. I never was homesick. And the first time for me getting homesick was in Arizona rehabbing just like, this is, this is crazy. This is tough. You know, having no friends out there other than the guys you slowly meet, but um, in college, you know, I had one of my best friends from, from high school who was on our team and it was easy. My, my wife was there. Um, yeah. And then going to all these different places, getting called up, sent down, driving all over the country. It's, it's tough. I mean, there's definitely, I never was on the verge of uh, like quitting, but you're like, man, you, you have to, I tell guys like you have to really love it to be able to, to go through four or five years in the minor leagues um, or, or maybe even more, you know, some guys spend a lot more time down there. Um, and you have to really, really love it because it can be very challenging. So here you are, your big time draft pick of the Brewers. And all of a sudden, a few years later, you're getting traded. Mm-hmm. How'd you find out you were getting dealt? Cause it was at uh, the trade deadline, wasn't it? Yeah. I got traded from the Brewers to the Diamondbacks in 2014 on the day of the deadline. And I got a call from Doug Melvin, the Brewers GM. And he was like, Hey, I just want to let you know, we traded you like, you've been great and we wish you the best. And I was like, uh, who did I get traded to? It was like, if you don't mind me asking, he was like, Oh yeah, you got, you got traded to the Diamondbacks. I was like, okay, cool. In my mind, I'm thinking, yes, like Arizona spring training. That's right. Being a West coast guy. I was just like, all right, cool. Um, yeah. So I got traded over and then I just drove down to, to join the team, um, in mobile. Cause we were, I was in Huntsville, Alabama, drove down to mobile, Alabama. Oof. Mm-hmm. Mobile, Alabama in the summer. Yeah, it's hot. It's hot. Suck on that a little while. Very human. Mm-hmm. Um, when you get traded for the first time, what are your emotions? For me, I was really excited because I thought, you know, wow, this is going to be a great opportunity. Like this team really wants me. And I know some guys are – sometimes you can get like, wow, like – you know, the team that drafted me, I I saw myself making my debut with this team. And, and I always kind of knew there was possibilities of getting traded. Mm -hmm. And I knew I'd never experienced the business side of the game, but I knew, you know, that's part of it. And I always thought like, if somebody wants me more, I want to play for that team. Um, So when the trade happened, I was, I was really excited. And I thought, you know, this is going to be a great opportunity and uh, a little bit closer to home. So it was, it was cool. You remember your call to the show? Yeah. Yeah. I, I found out in the dugout. Um, Phil Nevin was our AAA manager. Hmm. I was in Reno. We were in Nashville at the time. And he was just pulled me aside in, in the middle of an inning because I was getting my, my batting gloves on. And he was like, you're not hitting. And I was like, why? He's like, you're going, you're going to the show. And I like took for a, it took a long time to settle in and hit in. I just stayed in the dugout for a while. I was like, what the heck? Like, you know, um, 
I was like, imagine that would be like after a game. Cause I'd seen so many guys right. get called it before. It's like, Hey guys, we got something to say. And then the whole team's around, but um, it was awesome. And yeah, what an experience. So like, would you get right on the phone? Do you call your wife? Were you yeah. So at the time still day? what? So my, she's my fiance at that time. The trainer gave me his phone. He was like, Hey, like in between innings, go down in the tunnel. The, the locker room was far away. So, oh, but there was like a little, bathroom area is like if you want to call your 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 parents and tell them or your, your fiance go ahead and i was like yeah cool so i called my fiance and told her i was coming up and she was like deathly sick with the flu Ooh. and she's like I, I can't come like i'm not gonna be able to make it to the next so she couldn't come to my debut um but oh. i called my parents my parents were like all right we'll be there and they came out the next day but my my wife was like hurting bad so yeah. And she never gets sick. And especially like when she, she was missing work and like when she was a teacher at the time and like she would net, she would go to sick or go to work sick all the time. And this time she was like, I can't, I can't move. Like I'm just laying in bed. So oh. yeah, unfortunate, but she's gotten to see me play a lot. So yeah, don't worry. There's always another major league debut. They come yeah, around, yeah. And, you know, <laughs> don't worry. By the way, I forgot you played in Reno. That's uh, that was my first on-air TV job was Reno, Nevada. Nice. That's where I met my wife. Awesome. Yeah, I liked Reno. I had a great time playing there. Did you get? Did you live in a apartment complex or what? Yeah, we lived in an apartment complex like 15 minutes south, I think, of the stadium, and I believe it was south. And it was great, sweet. I mean, we didn't stay anywhere near downtown, and uh, I, it was awesome. My, I lived in 395 East Patriot Boulevard, some okay. huge apartment complex that my wife, we were dating at the time, would never come visit. She was oh, like, yeah? it's dark, it's dreary, it's a bachelor pad. I live in a house. You can come up and visit me. I will not be visiting you. Like, you got to okay. do what you got to do, right? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, so you eventually get dealt to the Mariners. Mm -hmm. Like your world gets rocked again. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that was another, like, well, that this was a lot more of a shocker because it was the night before Thanksgiving. And so I had a couple of buddies coming over to our place and like, we were going to go have some drinks. And all of a sudden I get a call from like this random San Diego number and it was Jerry DePoto. And it was like, Hey, we just, or I had a, I had a voicemail from um, Diamondbacks GM at the time, Mike Hazen mm -hmm. saying, we just traded you to the Mariners. And I was like, all right, like that just took a while to sit in where when I had gotten traded from the Brewers, to the Diamondbacks, I was pretty excited right away. Like, cool. Like, like, and this one was just like, what the heck? And we were closing on a house in Arizona. Oh, I, I was able to back out of it and not lose any money, which was great. But it was a lot. We were just like kind of um, world got rocked a little bit, but it was cool. Got on the phone with Jerry and was like, hey, you know, we see you as a, a everyday player. You're going to get a lot of ABs. And and I think going into that offseason with the Diamondbacks, they were like, we don't we don't know what your future looks like with us as far as like you're probably just going to be trying to make the team like it was a little more uncertain. So getting traded and hearing that was, was great. All right. So you go from maybe making the team in Arizona to becoming an all-star up in Seattle. When they tell you that Mitch Hanniger, you are an all-star in 2018. What the hell does that feel like? Oh, uh, it was cool. That was uh, I had missed some time in, in 17, um, got hit in the face, had an oblique injury and had a finger injury. And um, I had a really good like first month of the, the year, my, my, my rookie year with, with Seattle. And I remember thinking like, okay, I think I can, I think I can do this. I can be an all-star and um, just got to stay healthy and have a good year. And uh, that was a fun, that was a fun year and fun time in, in DC. With all that being said, 
the team success just wasn't there. You had some decent teams, some okay teams, but you know, the Mariners have the longest playoff drought of any of the four North American pro sports teams. Do you guys hear that up there? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I feel like that's something that that's weighed on the players. And, and um, I talked about this before that like, it's, you know, not, not one of our players have been there for all 20 years, but we've had to, you have to kind of embrace that it is our drought and we want to end it. And um, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely weighs on you. And, you know, we're hoping that we were going to accomplish that this, this past season and we fell a little bit short and, you know, heading into the off season, a little more motivation and um, you know, hoping we go out and add some big pieces and, and next year we're, we're playing all the way into November. Yeah. But that, last weekend or the series against the angels where you had a monster monster game. You had a big home run. You had the go ahead single in the eighth. Is that the most fun you've ever had playing baseball? Yeah. I mean, that weekend was incredible. And, um, you know, I've always want to make the playoffs one world series and I've, I've never played in, in a, a stadium with that much energy being the home team. I, I I've been, uh, on the other side of it, you know, when we go to Houston or you go to another another team and and they have a sellout crowd and they're going nuts. But that's I've never played in a game like that in T-Mobile Park. And I'm just praying that, you know, we make that happen and we continue to have that year in, year out for the next couple of years. And um, it's it's a special place when the when the seats are filled and, and everyone's bringing the energy. I think we all loved it as baseball fans. Um when you were standing on first base after getting that go-ahead hit, is it so loud that it's just like ringing in your head, or what was it? I mean, I think you just you're hearing your heartbeat so fast, you're trying to kind of calm yourself down. Because for me, uh, I usually don't get like too crazy and too fired up, and I was pretty pumped up then, just because season's on the line, and um, you know we had so much to lose, and we're just trying to stay alive and get get another win, and. Um, the the night before we had lost after sweeping oak we swept oakland we had an off day played the angels and we lost i think friday night was like mm-hmm. two to zero or two to one or three to one and i just remember driving home and then, then i was like this is terrible like i feel like we let down the city like everyone came out and and we didn't get it done like we we need to win these games we basically need to win out to have a chance and i was like tomorrow we got to make it happen no matter what like we we're winning these next two games and um just remember thinking like it's time to, to come through. Hey guys, we're friends, right? Let me come a little closer to talk about this because it's something you don't like to talk about. ED. I get it. Might feel uncomfortable talking to somebody, getting out in the open about it. That's where our friends at GetRoman.com with the keyword John Boy are here to help you out. Because did you know that 52% of men ages 40 to 70 have some form of erectile dysfunction? You don't want to put that off in the corner and say, I'll take care of it later. No, because you got somebody special in your life that you want to take care of. So let GetRoman.com slash John Boy take care of you. You get to speak to a U.S. licensed healthcare professional discreetly over the phone, and they will find out a treatment for you. If medication is necessary, they'll send it to you within two days. They'll take care of it. It's fast, and most importantly, it is discreet. That means you don't have to go to a doctor's office. You don't have to wait in a line at a pharmacy and say, okay, uh, who needs to step up next? None of that stuff. They take care of it with a phone call. They get you pointed in the right direction, 
and then you're going to be back in business. So once again, it is getroman.com slash John Boy. If you do get prescribed some medicine, it's 15 bucks off your first month of treatment. It is that simple. Let getroman.com slash John Boy help you out. And that way you can take care of that someone special in your life. We still saw one of the most emotional moments of the year in Seattle. Um, when we knew that, that Kyle Seeger, this was probably going to be his last game in a Mariners uniform. Uh, Scott service, very classy came out and pulled him out of the game. And I've never seen this before where a player is going around hugging guys on the field. Tears are streaming down his face. What was that like for you? I mean, really emotional. I, I was starting to cry when in the, the top of the ninth there before the inning started, they were just chanting Kyle Seager, like, you know, all 40 something thousand. And um, that guy's been just a great leader for our team, for our organization. And man, it's gives me chills and makes me tear up just watching it again. And I think all of us were just so kind of sad to realize that like, he's not going to be with us next year. You know um, that for me was the hardest part is like, it's not, it's not going to be as fun coming to the field every day without Kyle around. Um, he's had such a huge impact on us. And um, I'm just, I, at the end of the day, I'm just really thankful and grateful that I had a, a chance to play with him. And I know all the things he taught me, I'm going to continue to try to do that for the younger guys coming up and, and leave the game in a better place. So what is it that separates him? Do you think, because this is a guy who had, he's a really good player, but it's not like led the Mariners to a world series or even, right. even took him to the playoffs. Why do you think he was so loved and embraced up there? Um, he's always willing to give his time and energy into other players when they ask for advice or, or if he felt like he could help a guy, you know, he, in he's brutally honest. And I think everybody really respected that. What um, does that mean? I mean, if you were shit, he would tell you you're shit. And if you were wrong, he wouldn't be like, Hey, it's okay, buddy. Like he would, he would, getting your ass a bit and um but it was coming from a good place right he wanted you to be better and he wanted our team to be better so for me this is like the utmost respect he's like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lie to you like if you ask me i'm gonna tell you the truth um and i love that in a person and i love that in a teammate and i love that in a leader just holding people accountable i mean kyle was great with that and i think he just you know set that standard of like this is what you need to do if you're a professional. This is how you need to go about your business. And, um, you know, walked it, talked it, and held guys to that, that standard. Cool story. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Um, it was interesting. In the middle of the year at the trade deadline, we're like, okay, the Mariners are in this thing. Certainly not favorites, but they're in it. Then you made a real interesting trade with the Astros in town where Kendall Graveman goes over there and mm -hmm. Abraham Toro and Joe Smith come your direction. And there were some reports, nobody attached their name to it, that Clubhouse was pissed. Ended up working out. Toro played great. Joe Smith played great. Yeah. But at the time, were you, did you feel let down by your front office? Oh, yeah. I mean, everybody was, number one, in complete shock, right? The night before, we had one of the best comebacks of the season, um dylan moore hit a grand slam i think we were down by eight we ended up winning nine to eight mm -hmm. i think we were down eight zero we came back one nine eight and just like everything was buzzing everybody's energy was at an all-time high next day we come in the field and i'm i think i'm in the cage hitting and we're like we just traded graven and everybody's like what i mean 
we had coaches like crying. We had teammates crying. Kendall was such a big part of our bullpen, but very similar to Kyle with like his presence on our team and him as a leader was, was unmatched. And, and it was very tough to see that person leave and know that he was getting traded to our, you know, in division rival. Um, and, and it, I felt, I, I felt bad for Joe and, and uh, Toro when they came over at first because guys were like so mad and pissed, but it, it had nothing to do with them. Like I had known that I'd faced Joe multiple times. He's a great reliever. And I'd heard so many good things about Toro and I played against him a little bit when, when he was up, when we played against the Astros and I'm like, yeah, these, these guys are good players. It has nothing, you know, nothing against them. And, and they, they were probably in such a weird spot, but we were just, were so like distraught from losing Kendall. Um, he was a glue of our, our, our bullpen and our pitching staff. And, um, the same thing would be very, would hold people accountable and very honest with guys. And, um, but we, we did, I felt like we did a great job, like responding to that and just focusing on playing well and, and had another addition with Diego. And we had, we had a good run there in, in August and September and ultimately fell a little bit short. But, um, like I said earlier, I hope, I hope we make some additions and we can come back stronger next year. Did Jerry Depoto come down and talk to you guys after making that trade? No, there there wasn't a lot of a lot of talk there, um, and you know that's that's his. Decision. Could he have? Um, I don't would know. It, I think, let me ask it this way: Would it have been? Would it have helped the situation, or do you think it would have hampered the situation? Had he walked into the clubhouse and said, "Guys, this is my vision. I understand why you why you're mad, but this is what I'm thinking." Yeah, I don't know. It's tough to say whether it would have been – I don't think it would have been bad. I think maybe it could have helped um, ease the tension a little bit in the beginning. Um, we had that talk with a couple of us in, in Scott's service. He called us a couple of us in the office and and talked about the the trade and was like, hey, like this – we're not blowing it. Because initially that was the first trade for us, right? So we're like, great, we're blowing it up. We're in it. You know, I thought we were going to try to win this year and we're, and we're trading away our closer. Um, and they're like, hold on, like, we're going to make more additions. This isn't just, we're not blowing it up. And so, yeah, I mean, um, trades are tough. And especially when you're, when you're, there's certain players on teams that are, you guys are more emotionally attached to, I guess, than others that have a bigger impact that are, you know, a leader and kind of drive the, the team in the right direction. And when you see one of those players leave, it's a lot, it's a lot harder to swallow. Well, I mean, I think that's, the discussion we all have as, as baseball fans and people who evaluate the game is that we're trying to, we're putting a number on everybody. Yeah. Here's your war. Yeah. Here's how you're valued. It's a lot more than that. Yeah. And, and, and today, I mean, there's so many different ways to evaluate players. Um, and it's cool, right? Like there's, there's a bunch of different numbers you can attach to guys and, and it's probably never been better at, um, taking a guy and understanding his value in, in every different category of the game. But I think there's a big uh, – there's certain players that, that not only help themselves that make other guys better around them, and there's no stat for that. There's no stat for a guy who's like, I'm a really hard worker, I'm a great teammate, I bring positive energy, and I, can, and I really do affect the people around me, and that's infectious. And so when you get rid of one of those guys or um, you bring a guy in to fill that spot who – maybe you send that guy down you bring in someone else who's not that way, or maybe it's the opposite, very selfish. It can have a terrible effect on a team. Um, so those are the types of things that you could be, uh, 
messing with the trade for us it worked out fine right we, we still played mm-hmm. well we didn't make the playoffs which is the, always the number one goal to win a world series and make the playoffs um but we did play well and the guys that came in and did great and they were great fits joe and, and toro were great diego was was awesome um and it's going to be great having um diego and, and toro back next year and hopefully we sign joe smith back again i mean he was he was a veteran presence in the bullpen that we, i think we need did you think you were going to be the next to go? Um, when, when Kendall got traded, I was like, oh, man, who knows? Maybe maybe I'm going soon, too. And I got called into the office and uh, to, to meet with you know a couple other players and, and Scott. And, and once I walked in, there was more people there. I was like, all right, I'm not going anywhere. But I, I was like, really? You know, because I want to win. And, like, it's a lot different if we were, um, you know, 40 and 65 at the time or whatever, how many games we were playing, you know, if we were way out of it, it's, it makes sense to get rid of guys that, you know, might not have a long-term future with the team. But um, when you're, when you're in it, yeah, it's, you don't expect to be going anywhere. Uh, Jared Kelnick isn't going anywhere Mm -mm. except up, up, up. I believe in him. I know that he had a horrible start, got sent down. When I look at him, I look at a guy who wants to be the face of a franchise. Am I off base or am I? Um... No, you're right. I mean, he wants the limelight and um, good hard worker, good kid. And he's got a lot of tools. I think he's going to be really good. And just another, you know, that's another thing with, with the rebuilds and with um, young players coming up. It, it's very unlikely or uncommon that um, prospects get called up and just do unbelievable and hit 300 from the get-go. Except that we've it, seen it, like Tatis. Yeah, Tatis, Soto. Franco had a great – yeah, Soto. But I think there's a lot of guys that come up that don't do well in the beginning. Right. I think more so that way. So Absolutely. I think people – it's not right for, for fans or people around the game to panic. Um, I know he's going to be a great player because of how he can make adjustments like we saw in the second half and his work ethic. So, you know, you have character and you have work ethic and you have tools. You should be in a really good spot. Mm-hmm. So we got the awards, MLB awards coming out. Um, guy you get to face both as a pitcher and a hitter is up for MVP against a pair of Blue Jays. What is it like being on the same field and competing against Shohei Otani? It's a lot more fun when he's in the box and not on the mound, but when he's doing both, it's pretty, <laughs> that's crazy, right? Uh, he's good. He's what a, what a fun player to watch, be able to do both and be a, you know elite at both. Um, I mean, he's got my vote for MVP. I mean, if you're talking about value in a player, what else could you want? Right. Um, but I guess, you know, we'll see. I think those awards come out next week. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't imagine he doesn't win the MVP. Right. So the argument against him is, well, how valuable can you be if your team doesn't even come close to the playoffs? See, but I don't understand that. Like that's, that's his fault or is that the angels fault? Hey, you're not going to get an argument from me. We're talking about the history of the sport. Sport's been around more than seven years, okay? The history of the sport, we have never seen a guy dominate the way he did, both in the batter's box and on the mound. Yeah. What's, what's the toughest thing about facing him as a pitcher? Uh, it's just got multiple weapons, right? I mean, he can throw. He's got an upper 90s fastball. He's got a really good splitter. He's got a slider. He's got a cutter. And he's got a slow curve. So it's like pick your poison. You never know what you're getting because he mixes a lot and he's got good stuff. Power arm. When you haven't had great success against a guy, mm-hmm. 
do you have to kind of shake yourself a little bit before you get in the batter's box or is every new at bat just a different challenge? Most of the time I try to go into the bat just, okay, what happened in the past is the past. How, like, it doesn't count anymore is what in my mind is like, it didn't count. But what can I take from that to use as like preparation for my next at bat? Or based off of how he's pitched me, what's he going to keep doing? If I have had, I don't think I've had, I think I have one hit off Shohei and probably 10 or 11 at bats and a lot of strikeouts. So it's like, okay, when he's got me out all these times, what has he done to me? He's probably going to keep doing the same thing. So try to make an adjustment and uh, have a better at bat the next time. When you take him deep in 2022 and you circle the pillows a little bit. Yeah. And point to us. You know, your friends right. in Rose Rotation. Be like, yeah, you got it. For you, boys. <laughs> All right. Just keep that in mind. Yeah. Uh, you've had a chance to play with some legends in Seattle. Let's start with, with King Felix. Mm-hmm. One of my all-time sports regrets is not getting up to the King's Court when he would pitch up there. Oh, yeah. I am kicking myself. What made that day when he would pitch so significantly different? Uh, it was just fun, man. There's a different energy in Seattle when, when Felix would take the mound. And, like, you know, everybody knew his Felix start day. And then when he's walking from the bullpen in left field to our uh, dugout, which is on the first base side, and his walk, they would play his walkout song then. It was just, uh, I'm the man, and everybody would be singing it, and people are going nuts. <laughs> it's always, man, Felix start days were, were fun. And, um, I think this was the last, his last start at home was, was pretty electric. And I think the whole, almost the whole left field from left field all the way down to, um, home plate was, was yellow shirts and yellow King signed. And, uh, yeah, King's court was, was rocking that day. You don't see a lot of fans that are dressing up in like royalty garb showing up at games, but I, I'm, oh, I'm so pissed that I didn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look at that. Look at how many people were out there. Wow, that is so cool. Yeah. And you were also, you guys played in Japan mm-hmm. for Ichiro's last game. Yeah. And so this is one thing that I didn't, I think a couple, I think a couple of the veteran players knew that he was going to retire um, or that, you know, this was his like last game or two. I didn't know. I, like I, I had heard rumors. And I was like, I'm not going to ask him and you know, we'll see. Right. And so when he's getting pulled off field, I'm like, Oh my God, this is, definitely it right comes back out after the game i mean whole whole place was was rocking when he when he got pulled from the game but then even after the game people stayed around for we went inside had a talk with our team we came back out on the field and must have been out there for an hour or two more and i think tokyo dome is probably fifty thousand or so and not one person had left and he's walking around the field and it is just absolutely craziness um but what a pro, what a professional. And I'd never seen somebody work as hard as that guy. All right. So a few things. Millar always told me he's, he's got us all snowed. He speaks English and lots of it. Yeah. He speaks good English. Um, when I would ask him very in-depth questions um, about baseball hitting outfield stuff, um, he would like to speak in Japanese to make okay. sure he got every point he got Absolutely. wanted to get across and uh, I always respected that because he would always bring over Alan, who's his translator, and he would, you know, take his time and, and walk me through everything we were talking about. But, um, yeah, the common, like, jibber jabber was, was great, you know. Um, spoke, spoke great. It was, he's a very funny guy. He's hilarious. I've heard that a 
from a ton of people. Um, when you get a chance to sit and talk hitting with somebody like Ichiro, I know you guys are on the same level because you both do the same job as a major league outfielder, but afterward, are you like, dude, that is so cool. I just, yeah, dude. I, I mean, we're not on the same level. That guy's got three, I mean, 6,000 hits right over two <laughs> leagues. Uh, no, not on the same level, even though we're on the same level, it's not quite the same, but yeah, I mean, when he says things, it's like, they definitely resonate at a different level than, um, you know, when you're just talking to one of your teammates, but because they're like, this guy's like one of the best to ever do it. Like how, and his, how specific he would get with things is like, this is why you're so good. You know, whether it was the outfield or hitting when you ask him a question and he would get so detailed in what he's thinking or what he's feeling. I'm like, no wonder, you know, you have, you've played for 20 years in the big leagues and, I don't know how many all-stars and gold gloves and everything you have, but rightfully so. So I know you said you were, you have a shitty memory, but do you remember one thing that he told you either about hitting or playing in the outfield where that has stuck with you? Um, yeah, a lot of different things with, with connection with hitting and, and swinging and how you try to keep his hips and shoulders square. And um, one thing that was funny for, for hitting that I thought was interesting is he, he said when, I think this was, I don't know if he did this his whole career, but he said, you know, when he was starting him, because a lot of times when he was with the Mariners and a little bit in, in seven, I think we signed him in 18. Um, he was playing almost every day. And then in 19, that's when he retired uh, with us. But he would talk about how, I think this was earlier on in his career when he'd face a really good pitcher, he'd be like, I would sit on his best pitch so that he knew he couldn't get me out with it. So I would hit his best pitch or foul off his best pitch super late. And just, I just wanted him to know that he couldn't get me out with his best pitch. And to me, that was like a, he, he just said like, that was like my victory. Like knowing it was almost probably like a mind game for the pitcher, right? Hell like, yeah. I can't get this guy out with his, with my best pitch. What am I going to do? And he just fouls it off, fouls it off, fouls it off. And then he gets one, you know, up in his own and puts in play and gets a hit. I love it. The old Jedi mind. Fuck. Right. Right. <laughs> that way eat your own. Yeah. Go get him. Go get him. Hey, the um, we've only been doing this a few years in the show. The all MLB team. Mm -hmm. now, you are up for that at the outfield position. But I think 80 other guys in the outfield are something ridiculous. Right. But yeah. I imagine it's still an honor. Is it not? Oh, yeah. I mean, just to be considered is great. I think I think they chose them yesterday. So my mom got it. My mom texted me like, oh, you should have got it. And I'm like, I, I looked at the guy's numbers who who are on the list. And I was like, yeah, I'm probably not going to win, but it's just, it's absolute honor to be on there. That's yeah, cool. Definitely. I don't think the fans should be voting. That's a different yeah. thing. I, I think uh, they, they should do a little, little revamp of how they do a lot of different things with, with fan voting and with player voting and with, I don't know if with just baseball writers in general, but yes. um, oh, that's a, I think that's they a attach, whole different show. Yeah. I think they attach so much value to that, that it's gotta be a, uh, well also too, like if you're, if you're playing for Chicago and New York, like, you're going to get a lot more votes than if you're playing in Seattle or somewhere else. Right. Yeah. yeah so um, a few other quick things and then we'll let you get on your way and go plan uh, Carly's first birthday. Yeah. Um, does the travel really suck from Seattle? Is it brutal? So I don't know much different, but we fly a lot. Like I think I look at the charts, we lead the league in miles flown every year. It's something yeah. over 40,000 miles every year. Um, two teams in our division over four hours. Um, and I'll, and I talk to guys who have come from other teams and they're like, this is terrible, but 
But for me, I was only up in Arizona for 40 something games. I don't know any, like it was really easy when I was with Arizona because it was our felt like our flights yeah. everywhere. Um, but I always ask that to other players who get traded to us or sign with us. And they're like, this is terrible. And, and especially guys that come from the, the NL central, or the AL central, because they say the longest flight there is hour 40. Right. And they, I mean, when you play 162 games and you're flying as much as we do, and you can cut that in half, like that's a big difference. Sure is. Yeah. So what do you do? Stream, read, play cards. Um, what are you? I don't play cards. I listen to music or try to talk to people on my phone or yeah, watch Netflix or some movies. And then if it's late, I just try to kind of close my eyes and get some rest um, and just hang out talk with teammates. But what, what series are we watching right now? Uh, right now, nothing. Um, it's been put my daughter down, try to get as much sleep as possible before she wakes up. Um, what happens. Yeah. That early yeah. Season. I mean, I'm excited. So I think uh, last year, we watched the Mandalorian season and mm-hmm. there's a uh, Boba Fett coming out in December. Okay. So I got my eyes on that one. Definitely going to watch that. Did you guys do squid games? No, I haven't heard of that. We, you one. haven't heard of squid games. I haven't heard of squid games. You're 30. How, how have you not heard of squid games? What's squid 80? games? Oh my gosh. Just go look it up. You'll All be right. in. Just, if, let me write this if, down. If you can deal with the heavy violence, the onset, it's worth the nine episodes. It's they're 50 minutes a piece. They're okay. really good. It's really good. My wife says I love the violent movies and the violent TV show. So it should, should work perfectly okay. for me. But you, you guys aren't streaming in separate rooms. You got to find the common ground here. That's what I'm saying though. Mandalorian's okay. perfect. Okay. How will she do with the violence? Okay. So, so yeah, My wife's I mean, fine with it. Yeah. She's okay with it. I yeah. think a lot of the, I like a lot more sp- suspense and, those types of movies. I'm a big uh, sci-fi guy. I liked a lot of sci-fi. Yeah. Well, this Anything... is really interesting. This is, it's very, it, it takes you a lot of uh, weird places mentally, but okay. it really makes you think about like society and where we are and decisions you make. And it's really good though. It's nothing like black mirror, something like, have you seen that show? I have not. I think that's what it's called. Yeah. That, the, the name sounds familiar. Yeah. That's a crazy yeah. one. Yeah. Each episode is like a completely different storyline. Oh yeah, you know my uh, there's one some, of my kids was watching. There's it. some weird ones in that. Yeah, yeah. If you ever need a show, just ask a 16 or a 21 year old. They'll, all right. <laughs> they'll be all over it. They'll be all over it. All right. Uh, before we get you out of here, we spin the wheel of moderately interesting things here at the Rose Rotation. All right. Don't, don't worry, the topics aren't too scary. I don't think. Double play. Haven't done this one in a while. Okay. Who's playing Mitch Hanniger in the movie? Who, in a movie? Yeah, who, who, who did people say you look like? What celebrity? I've gotten Hugh Jackman a couple times. Oh, that's a great one! <laughs> he used to have long hair and a little bit of a beard. So, uh, I'll take that. Well, let's see how the hair is. I'm sure the payload's no, I No, no hair today, man. No? That hair, that hair day. I'll show you mine if you show me yours. No, no, no. Not, still not, okay. No. I, I got old man hair, too. Yeah. Still not taking the bite. Okay. Hugh Jackman's a great one. Yeah. That is excellent. Yeah, I could see that. I interviewed him once on a red carpet at the uh, at the NFL Awards one year. Oh, nice. It's – that is – now I'm seeing it. I wish I'd asked the question at the beginning. I'd call you Hugh for the entire <laughs> 45 minutes. That'd be fun. 
right, dude, listen, this was great getting to know you. I, I appreciate the time and the insight and taking us to, to good places. And I love that we finally got a Seattle Mariner on the show because you, know, you guys need to be represented. We can't just yeah. tuck you away up there in the Pacific Northwest. I know, know, right? Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Enjoy Carly's first birthday. Did we get her anything yet? I will. Uh, I think my wife's on it, but I might have to get her a teddy bear or something like that. I'll definitely get her. Something. Just get her something from daddy. We're, yeah. We're, oh yeah, for sure. Like when she, when, cause when she turns 21 and it's going to happen in a blink, I'm just telling yeah, I'll you. I'll get her some, a little, little teddy bear that she knows is from me or exactly something like that. Right. Exactly. You can be yeah. like, yeah, my dad got me this. And then you're going to get the, ah, yeah. you know, and we'll be with all of her friends when she's 21. You're going to be the hot dad then. And they're going to be like, oh, your dad, no, he's hot. He's sweet. He's awful. See? <laughs> yeah, you got it, man. Got it all planned out. It was great getting to see you. Uh, tell all of our, our fans and friends up there in Seattle. We say hello. Enjoy the rest of your offseason. Don't forget to do that gator wrestling drill again this weekend. I love seeing that. All right, might be doing it today. Oh, I love it. Enjoy enjoy the time with the family as well. All right, thank you very much. Absolutely. And for our uh, editor, producer extraordinaire, Robbie Scirocco, I am Chris Rose. And thank you very much for watching and or listening here on the Chris Rose Rotation, a production of John Boy Media. Hey everybody, it's Talking Jake here, and I want to tell you about a new podcast and video series you're not going to want to miss, The Deal. Every week, A-Rod and Bloomberg reporter Jason Kelly speak with big-time athletes, entertainers, executives, Maria Sharapova, Strahan, Jeter, and more. The Deal takes you behind the scenes into those worlds of sports, media, and entertainment. From Bloomberg Podcasts and Bloomberg Originals, you can listen to The Deal on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts.